coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Okay. Yeah, we don't like talking about ourselves. I think that's, we kind of, <laughs> you know, steered right on that, that conversation, but I'll let Chef Ted start. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so we were on the hook for several million dollars without a concept. And, you know, my now wife then was just like, wow. hey, how dumb are you? I, I can't believe we did this. And we just knew that, <laughs> that together we could accomplish this. You know, I, I know it sounds cheesy, but one of the things that I love is when you see that moment that a guest takes a bite of that food and no matter what they're dealing with on the outside of the world, you can physically tell that it all goes away. Nothing else matters but that experience. And, you know, finding that experience for every guest is what drives us both. Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guests are Chef Ted Dorsey and Jason Griffin from The Mill and Nash's Hot Chicken. We'll give you the scoop on The Mill's new menu and their unique take on Nashville Hot Chicken at Nash's. At the top of the show, we'll talk about Samin Nosrat's book and cooking series, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. We, we have, have a great, great show, show, so stick, stick around. Hey foodies, do you know about the Zest podcast? If you're listening to us, you should be listening to them too. They're part of the Tampa NPR station, WUSF 89.7. On The Zest, you'll learn new recipes, baking tips, and barbecue secrets. You'll hear about what's ripe, what's growing, and what's in season. The Zest podcast is hosted by Robin Sussingham, an award-winning reporter and producer, who's also an avid home cook and baker. Robin's a native Floridian and has been searching out flavors and the fascinating stories behind them from Key West to Pensacola. Learning to care for a sourdough starter and learning to bake sourdough breads really speaks to people in a very deep way. It's part of our collective history and we're getting back to our roots and our self-sufficiency. Just like us, the Zest podcast has interviews with chefs and restaurateurs and talks about food and recipes covering the Tampa Bay area and throughout Florida. It's what we listen to when we're not doing our own show. Check out the Zest podcast at thezestpodcast.com. Hey, Lori, have you ever been to Noble Crust? I have. What do you like there? Pork belly, pimento cheese, and fried green tomatoes are my favorite. Oh, yeah, I love that one, too. They actually call it the FGBLT. It's fried green tomatoes, 
pork belly glazed with a Tabasco honey sauce and pimento cheese. Mm-hmm. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. And I think they should actually call it the OMG. Yeah, you've said that before. The chicken marsala is really good, too. It has chicken and chicken sausage, criminy mushrooms, and four cheese grits. It's so delicious. I love that they mix classics from the American Deep South and Italy. Noble Crust is famous for their fried chicken. I love it. Yeah, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. When we do a best eggplant parm list, it'll definitely be on there. Yes, it will. Speaking of lists, Noble Crust made six of them recently. Best Italian, Best Casual Dining, Best Pizza, Best Bloody Marys, Best Meatballs, and, believe it or not, Best Salads. Ooh, ooh, can I tell you another one of my favorite items? Yeah. The spaghetti and meatballs. It's so good. Man, you're not kidding. You know what? They have a brunch on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 10.30, which I love. And the deviled eggs are to die for. Let's go to Noble Crust right now. I'm in. Let's do it. We have Chef Ted Dorsey and Jason Griffin coming up on this show. So I went back and listened to when they were on episode five. And the last question I asked Ted back then was, what was one piece of advice he would give to an aspiring chef? And he said, don't be afraid to season your food. And he specifically mentioned salt and lemon juice and vinegar, which leads to the topic of our conversation. It sure does. Today, we're going to talk about Samin Nosrat's book and Netflix series, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Yes. And she says that salt, fat, acid, heat, these four basic elements can make or break a dish. And if you master those four elements, you master the kitchen. I think some knife skills probably wouldn't hurt either. Yeah. You're learning those. Right. (laughs) I am, little by little. So salt enhances flavor and makes food taste more like itself, not salty. If you're right. doing it right. If you're doing it right, correct. And so, salt brings food to life, is what Samin says. There are a lot of people that disagree with that, we know, and there are people that are told medically they need to avoid salt, so we recognize that. Yeah, and disclaimer, if uh, your doctor told you to cut down on salt, then ignore this part, because <laughs> we don't want to be responsible. <laughs> exactly, but we have actually watched this Netflix series, um, it's a four-part series, and I think we've probably watched it all the way through at least three times. I think at least three times. And you got me the book, too. And the book has, a, obviously, a ton more information and haven't made it through that yet. Right, but. right. It's, it's fascinating. In the uh, salt series, she makes uh, these soy braised short ribs, which we have currently actually made twice already. And they were delicious both times. Yes. It, but, yeah, there's, do we want to talk about the, what we noticed in the show and... Oh, yeah, it was really interesting because we have the uh, recipe that I printed out. I know, I'm old school like that, from um, online. And when we were watching the show back on Sunday morning before we actually started cooking, we noticed that she had added miso paste to both the marinade and the dashi that that she used. And uh, it's not in the recipe to do that, which I found was quite interesting. So we we decided to, to, we hadn't done it in the marinade, which was done the day before. So we decided to add a little bit into the dashi. And we actually think it made it a little bit, a little too rich. Too, it was very, it's very rich, rich as it is, but it seemed, so we would leave that out next time. Right. But uh, yeah, great recipes in there. Yeah. And then fat, what Samin says is fat makes food delicious. 
It amplifies flavor and makes appealing textures possible. And some examples would be olive oil, butter, mm-hmm. avocado, mm-hmm. bacon fat. She also says you know, when it's um, in a solid form, it's called pork fat. And when it's in a liquid form, that would be lard. That would be. <laughs> and one other thing to mention, too, about salt, you can find that in so many things as well in your refrigerator, your olives, capers, um, just many things that are just in your refrigerator already contain salt. You can incorporate those components into your dishes, too. Yeah. Another thing she says about fat, and it's, it's actually the opposite between olive oil and butter, and olive oil is more prevalent in Italian cooking, right. and butter more prevalent in French cooking. And yeah. that's not what she said, but that's an obvious thing. But most times when you're using fat, you want to preheat the pan because slowly heating fat degrades it, degrades the flavor. Mm-hmm. And there's some other issues with that as well. But so like if you're going to use olive oil to cook, you wait till your pan is fully heated before you put any olive oil in. And test it by just throwing some drops of water on and making sure they sizzle. Exactly. But with butter, you can't do that because the butter will burn right away. Yeah. So the butter you heat slowly. Right, right. Yeah, she also said, you know, food's more likely to stick to a cold pan, another reason to preheat it. And then, oh, garlic is another exception. That will burn as well. Mm-hmm. So that should go slowly. Right. Oh, another thing that we learned, I used to always say, you would like to do the bacon in the oven. And I took that, Anybody doing bacon in the oven, I used to take that as kind of wimping out because it's easier to clean up. There's no flipping. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I think we do flip it. I anyway do in the flip oven. it, yes. And it's really not that much but, easier to clean up. It just doesn't get all over your stovetop. Yeah, I was just taking it as an easy way out. But then we learned from Samin that the best bacon comes from the oven because you're cooking the bacon slowly to render slash liquefy the fat before the meat burns. And it just comes out way better in the oven. So now we always do it in the oven. Yeah, it tastes so much better. And it is easier to clean up. It definitely is easier to clean up. Yeah, we also learned in in that uh, about olive oils and different types of olive oils. Most of the olive oil here in the States, and I know we've talked about this before, um, is actually Americans are used to rancid olive oil. They don't realize that it has an expiration date that's not very long. Yeah, well, and and most of the, well, probably all of the mass market olive oil that you find in most supermarkets there's no date on it. Right. And that probably helps lead to the belief that it has no expiration date. Right. When you import the really good gourmet olive oil from Italy, the more expensive stuff, like normally you can find a decent bottle of extra virgin olive oil in the supermarket shelf for 10 bucks. Right. We're buying stuff for 35 bucks. Right. Actually has a production date, harvest date, and a best buy date. And usually it's like a year. Kevin actually got me the exact bottle of olive oil from Liguria that is uh, shown on the on the series. Yeah, and you can't get it anymore. We keep trying. Sold out. <laughs> so on to acid. Samin says, it's the pucker in a lemon, the sour in sour cream, the tart in cranberry sauce. It literally makes mouths water. Acid brightens food and creates contrast. Most importantly, it balances flavors. What are some, so we mentioned lemon. Mm-hmm. So any citrus really will give right. you, but of course, lemon and lime are the more the more bright. Right. Where like an orange would be a little more on the sweet side, even though there's some brightness in there too. Mm-hmm. Vinegars also. And there's a whole array of like flavor vinegars you could get as well. Right. Correct. And usually you're adding this at the end. Yes. I, you know, it's funny until watching this and learning all about this stuff. 
I just didn't always wonder why they, there would be a lemon or a lime with some of my dishes. And I'm like, why are they putting this? Just yeah, and we would throw it away. And I'd throw it away. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, we're actually really supposed to squeeze this on this stuff. Yeah. So note, if your food comes with a little wedge of lemon or lime, you're supposed to squeeze it on the food. It's not <laughs> just there as a garnish. And last up is heat. Samin says, heat is the element of transformation. Heat takes food from raw to cooked, flabby to firm, pale to golden brown. Heat dulls, vin- oh, say, all, yeah, this is what I said before. Heat dulls vinegar and lemon flavors, so add it at the end if you want to bring them out. Mm. Yeah, that's why you add that at the end. See that? Learn right. That. Yep. Really cool. Next up. We have Chef Ted Dorsey and Jason Griffin, the founders and operators of the Mill Restaurant in downtown St. Pete, and also of the fairly newly opened Nash's Hot Chicken. We'll be right back. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete Foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. Before we get to the interview, I want to give you a heads up and an apology. We had some type of a malfunction with the equipment, and whenever Lori and I are talking, there is some crackling noises. I was able to get rid of some of it, but not a lot of it, unfortunately. So please deal with that because the interview is a great interview with Ted and Jason. So here we go with the interview. Please welcome Chef Ted Dorsey and Jason Griffin from The Mill and Nash's Hot Chicken. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Hello. How are you? I should say the multiple award-winning restaurant, The Mill. Absolutely. Thank you. And the newly opened Nashes. And so you guys, funny thing, you guys were originally on episode number five. And I listened back to that. And it actually wasn't too bad for episode number five. You guys did better than we did. But now... (laughs) Thank thank you. you. (laughs) What about it? I've known you for a decade now. Is that crazy? Wow. Wow, that's crazy. That's true. Of ages is all. I should stop talking about that. (laughs) (laughs) And so the mill... Just recently, just earlier this month, had their five-year anniversary. Congratulations. Yes. Thank Thank you. you. And what's pretty cool is you are now on episode 100. Yay. We're celebrating a milestone today. I won't mention how many times I wanted to quit and didn't think we'd make it to 100. But (laughs) (laughs) So interesting thing, I mentioned to you guys just before we started, that on most of our episodes, we get some background on you guys, and then we talk about food and restaurant stuff. and when you guys were on previously, we didn't do that. We didn't get your background, so we're going to do it now. Okay. Yeah, we don't like talking about ourselves. I think that's, we kind of, <laughs> you know, we steered right on that, that conversation. But I'll let Chef Ted start. Oh, thanks. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, well, I, uh, I was born in Atlanta, and we moved here uh, about six months after I was born. Uh, I learned to walk on Clearwater Beach, uh, moved to Tampa, been a Tampa boy my whole life. 
I uh, opened up some, several different restaurants over there um, in my earlier years of being a chef, Ciro's, Boca, and Copperfish, and then moved out here to St. Pete to uh, the Forever Home and uh, opened up Hotel Zamora, which is where uh, I met Jason and uh, decided to uh, you know, open the mill, and, and here we are. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that you guys met at Hotel Zamora. That is the first time that we have ever experienced your food when we did a staycation. I think it was Memorial Day. Uh, well, we didn't weekend. actually yeah. meet in Zamora. It was, it was in St. Pete. It was actually um, an employee. Yeah, well, yeah, it's in a space that, that you were looking for at, us right? still to this day. Um, his dad introduced Jason and I. Yeah. Yeah, we, he, uh, he brought us together to do a project up on Central, and uh, we reviewed it. We didn't like the layout. I had been following Ted for a little bit, so, you know, I knew I wanted to do something. We just didn't know what it was. We ended up circling back about three weeks later, walked Central, uh, saw the spot where the mill was, and uh, actually probably took one of our biggest risks of our careers. We didn't have a concept. Uh, we barely, you know, we had a little bit of money, but definitely not enough money to build out an entire restaurant. And we walked into this building and refused to leave until they gave us the lease on the property. And so, you know, after that happened, we were there for <laughs> that several sounds hours. Like you. <laughs> we got back down. I, you know, I think reality set in. And what a lot of people don't realize is it took us an additional three months to conceptualize the mill. So, you know, 90 days into it, we started getting very uh, uh, scared, to say the least, because we still didn't have a concept. We didn't have anything. Uh, and then luckily, uh, we came up with uh, the mill and the rest is history. That's awesome. You're, yeah, you were just like, hey, we got this space. Let's grab this space, yeah. make sure and we get it, so, and we'll figure it out. Right. Yeah, we, re we remember seeing you running all over town, and doing stuff. A lot stuff. of people don't realize we had to personally <laughs> guarantee the space. So we were on the hook for several million dollars without a concept. And, you know, my now wife then was just like, wow. hey, how dumb are you? I, I can't believe we did this. And we just knew that, <laughs> that together we could accomplish this and together we can make something very special. And, you know, knock on wood, it, it all worked out. So, you know, thankfully we're sitting here on your 100th episode. Yes, exactly. It, it, it's like Jason and Ted's excellent adventure, but tastier. <laughs> So we got Ted's background. Um, Jason, we first met you, or I first met you at Cascanale. Yeah, so, uh, you know, my one of my first jobs legally was a bar back at the ripe old age of 12 years old. It was uh, my mom's French <laughs> restaurant and back in those days. You know, people really didn't care about child labor laws. They didn't care about underage people serving drinks. And, uh, you know, I got into that business and I loved it. It was just, it was kind of a, a, an aha moment at a young age for me, and I stuck with it. You know, I've owned and operated now, uh, what, 20-something entities? You know, it's, it's just a labor of love. We've always liked doing this. I worked for Outback Steakhouse for a long time, and that's where I really learned the process side behind this business and, you know, how to do it from a business standpoint, not just a service standpoint. Um, and then it's allowed us to branch out into a lot of different arenas and different areas. But, you know, most of our time, as you as you folks know, because you always see us, is here in the mill uh, because, you know, we, we love this place. We, we built it with our own two hands. Um, I love the restaurant business. No matter what else we do, we always just love this business. And, you know, I, I know it sounds cheesy, but one of the things that I love 
is when you see that moment that a guest takes a bite of that food and no matter what they're dealing with on the outside of the world, you can physically tell that it all goes away. Nothing else matters but that experience. And, you know, finding that experience for every guest is what drives us both. We want to recreate that. And sometimes we, we miss the mark. Um, but we, we try, I would say, arguably harder than most uh, to, to, you know, create Absolutely. that experience every time. I'd say you have a pretty good batting average. You do. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. As you were describing that, it brought me back to last week when we were in. Right, right. And yeah, take a bite of food. and I'd be like, dang, man. And, and, and Ted comes over the table. I'm just like, dude, how do you do it? And, and he actually told <laughs> me, but it's a secret, me. so I can't say right now. <laughs> funny story my my great-grandmother had this wonderful uh watermelon rind that she turned into pickles recipe and i grew up eating these my whole life and uh you know when it was in her last days we tried to get that recipe from her to recreate it and carry that legacy on i i won't use the choice words that she told me uh but it definitely started with an f and ended with a u and uh, <laughs> that to her grave, she wouldn't give it up. So it's just, it's a funny piggyback off that comment. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. However, with our, with our Nash's pickles, I think I've gotten it pretty close. He's been able to recreate it. I will say it's that. close. I don't think it's there, yeah. but it's close. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. We, we just recently, like a week or two ago, started getting into making pickles ourselves. Yeah. So yeah. when we're uh, offline here, we're going to get some tips from you. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun process. Jason, where were you born and raised? So I was born in North Carolina, Rockingham, and I actually moved um, here when I was three days old. So oh, you know, wow. I decided North Carolina wasn't for me. I'm coming to Tampa. Uh, and, you know, I, I've lived here ever since. Now, I since I Tampa's always been home base, I've lived in other places, but I, I would say the majority of my life has been spent in Tampa, St. Pete. Right. Didn't you grow up with uh, Jason Ruhe and Stephen Shrutt? I did. Right? I did. Yeah. I've known both of those guys. Since, well, they're, they all got bigger. I seem to stay at the same height. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I think going back to fifth and sixth grade is when we first met each other. Um, Jason, you know, Steve Shrutt used to spend the night at my house when we were kids. Uh, Jason Ruhe, you know, he, he's been a dear friend forever. And I, I really love watching Ruhe especially hone his craft because he's just an amazing chef now. And, uh, you know, all that hard work is well-deserved with both of them. Uh, you know, Jason, I, I just I, I think that he's elevated his cuisine so much that uh, the guy's amazing. I, I can't speak highly enough of both of them. Yeah, we definitely have some good talent here in St. Pete. We do, and we agree with you on all accounts on, on both of them. And it's funny that you all ended up in the restaurant industry. Yeah. <laughs> in the same city. Yeah. 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 And yeah. none of us lived over in St. Pete, but we all wound up here. That's cool. <laughs> for, for those who don't know, Jason Ruhe is the uh, chef and owner of Brick and Mortar Kitchen and Wine Bar in downtown St. Pete. And Stephen Schrutt is and, the owner of- And Seaworthy and Tierra Verde. Yes, His thank newest you. venture. Newer one. Yes, thank you. We still have to get there. And Stephen Schrutt is the owner of Hunger Thirst Group, which is the Avenue Park and Rec and No Vacancy. Yep. All must tries, definitely. Right. <laughs> we have new, interesting stuff to talk about with the mill- Mm-hmm. and also the newly opened Nash's Hot Chicken, and we're going to get into those delicious details right after this break. Ramen is the ultimate comfort food, and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. 
The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth, and the hearty proteins, or just mushrooms for vegetarians, it'll have you saying, ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. Go get the best ramen in St. Pete at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete. Do ya, Booyah? We are back! We are back! And we are back with Jason Griffin and Chef Ted Dorsey from the Mill Restaurants and Nash's Hot Chicken. And with the Mill, so we had, you know, we, we're, we're not going to pretend things are totally normal because they're not. No. But you guys make them better with your food. And, but during the beginning of the uh, pandemic time, you guys shut down like a lot of places. But I remember I was uh, walking through the Mill parking lot, as I often do since I live across the street. And I see, I see Ted outside because you guys, a lot of times when you take a break, there's really nowhere inside the restaurant to take a break and be away from stuff. So if you need a real break, you normally sneak out the back door when you're kind of hanging in the parking lot. I'm walking through, I see Ted. I'm like, oh, wow, is the mill open? I go over there and it's like, no, I'm working on new stuff. I'm like, right. (laughs) Perfect time to work on new stuff. Right. So you guys created a new version of the menu. You call it the mini menu because there are some of the, the, uh, Fan favorites are still there in yes. the smaller versions to have a lower price to make things easier to deal with these these days. Mm-hmm. And then there's some new items as well. Do you want to uh, tell us your, the general idea, like what your thought process? Like, yeah, in creating the menu. Sure. Um, it, it was. It's kind of multifaceted. You know, it's something that, that Jason and, and I've been talking about for probably about six months going into pre-COVID. Um, it's a, it's kind of a transition to the way that we wanted to do things to your point. We wanted to keep some of our fan favorites and, you know, we all know we can't touch that watermelon bruschetta because we remember what happened last time. So, <laughs> right. but what we wanted to do was make the mill, uh, more accessible to everyone and give the ability for everybody to try more food. So we actually expanded the menu a little bit, um, but we shrunk our portions down and then we kind of created the first of its kind, um, southern uh, small plates, tapas style, if you will. Mm-hmm. Put our price point down from $5 to $16. So it does make us more acceptable for people to come in and, and get a great meal and a great cocktail um, for less money. But it also allows us to have people come in and try a bunch of food. Mm-hmm. Sometimes what happened before is, is our portions were uh, so large that people would come in and, and they they go they gravitate to those fan favorites like our meatloaf and our pork tomahawk, but they don't try any other new stuff and venture outside that box because the portion size. So this allows them to to try a bunch more items and, and kind of, you know, break their own barriers with the food. Yeah, we love that you did that. And, mm-hmm. and we yeah. took advantage of it uh, last week. And this week we now have a brand new review for the mill where you will see some of the fan favorites and some of the new items and... Uh, one that really, it's, it's so new that, uh, before we came over, it wasn't actually even on the online menu yet, but you had it on the new printed ones, the seafood nachos. Wow. I'm glad Lori's writing this one because it's, it's, it's like so hard to, (laughs) to really do it justice in, even, even if you're a good wordsmith, this is something that you need to go into the mill and you need to experience it because I would tell you. They're not just seafood nachos. No, this is not your regular nacho. They're an overall experience. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. 
You know, I, I wanted to piggyback a little bit off of what Chef Ted did. You know, COVID uh, required, uh, you know, we're, we always joke about us being analog guys in a digital world. You know, we're old school restaurant guys. We do things in militant style and then a very specific way. And, and COVID, you know, allowed us to get outside of our comfort zone and think outside of that box. So, you know, one of the first things we did, we were the, one of the first adopters to do all the necessary stuff to protect our guests from the air scrubbers and the HVAC, UV lights, temperature checks, permasafe with the disinfecting, all that stuff. And, and once we, we got that stuff completed and we had that how to protect our guests dialed in, we then took another step back and said, all right, let's look at this concept. And, and to Chef Ted's point, how do we make it approachable to everybody? We're struggling right now. Our community's struggling. We still want to create that and cultivate those experiences for them. And, you know, we had been conversing about the mill mini menu, but it hadn't really honed in. You know, Chef Ted really didn't dial it in and put his genius behind it. And, you know, once we realized that, hey, this COVID is actually a perfect time to do this, it allows us to, to continue to feed and open up our client base to a lot more people that can experience the mill. And now it's affordable, right? So you get Chef Ted's food, it's an affordable price, and you can try multi multi things on the menu as opposed to just eating that same thing you get every time. The feedback has been very, very uh, good and we're humbled by it from the community. Uh, we, we love serving it and you know, it just gets to add a little creative layer uh, for the mill. And I think because that feedback's been so good, I think the mill mini menu may be here to stay. It, it's just been that re well received. Yeah, that's that's I, I, great. I can see that. Yeah. And I'd also like to um, mention too, that I was pleasantly surprised because it's very hard to find downtown that you actually have cocktails on your menu priced at, I think as low as $6. Yeah. Yes. We revamped that as well. We revamped everything. So not only the food, our spirits list, our beer list, our wine list, we really wanted to go all in and say, hey, folks, we're still open. We're here to serve. We know times are tough, but, you know, you can't sit at home forever. It, you're going to go crazy. And so let's make it affordable to all. Everybody can come in and experience. And, you know, for batting a thousand that night, hopefully we, we cultivate that experience and we take your mind off of what's going on out there right now. And the mill mini menu, the, the cocktail list, the new wine list, all that was our way uh, to do that and to, and to say you um, care. Yeah, as St. Pete Foodies, I'm going to say we we are offering a prescription for happiness <laughs> to go by going to the mill. <laughs> and you know what else? That's for, our other business. For, yeah, for the uh, for those guests that still aren't aren't comfortable getting out and about or just have too much going on for the first time in five years, you can now get mil, uh, the mill food on Uber Eats and Bite wow. Squad. You can also order it, take out, pick it up, and and you know so there's multiple avenues to for people to try the new right. menu. Great. Yeah, and we did that too. Yeah, we got uh, a couple weeks ago before we went in and got a bunch of stuff. We actually ordered some takeout too, and I got enough Swedish meatballs on on that takeout order that I ate them three days in a row. <laughs> and loved it. Oh yeah, I told you guys when we were visiting that with my last leftovers one morning I had a. Uh, Biscuit. I did like biscuits and sausage gravy, but instead I did the Swedish meatballs on top of the biscuit. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. You know, our, our tagline is, we can't wait to feed you. So we really can't wait to feed you and we'll bring it to your door. We'll do whatever we can to, to do just that and feed you. Awesome. Uh, just a few other items. I mean, and this, we can't go over the whole menu. There's a lot of stuff and it's all excellent. But 
a couple of new items that we tried that I really liked, the crispy buffalo Brussels. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yes. Brussels sprouts with buffalo sauce, and there's also bacon and lemon zest in there. Also, the Parmesan panko crusted long stem artichoke heart. I've never had a long stem artichoke Those heart. Those are so good. I love the Parmesan panko. It's amazing. Thank we you. we actually lose money on that one because I eat them all in the back. So. <laughs> yeah. And we cannot forget the pigs can fly. Gaining oh, weight, and feeling great over yeah. here. Pork wings, those amazing. We we actually only ate one when we were there because we were so full at that point. We took the other three home and I I fried them up in my air fryer. Perfect. Oh, so wow. good. Very good. Is that called? Pigs can fly? Right, it, it is, Or was right? I just calling it that? <laughs> no, nah, that was just my, my play on words. Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's that uh, way it's on a, the menu. It's a braised mini pork shank that we flash fry and then toss in an Alabama white barbecue sauce. Yeah, it's so cool. good. Oh, yeah, the white uh, Alabama white barbecue sauce. Yeah, we learned about that. And that's uh, mayo-based, right? It is. It's a mayo-based. Um, it's something that my grandmother used to make when we were kids. And when I was a kid, I hated it. <laughs> and, well, because she used it on everything. She used it in her in her old school salmon cakes with the canned salmon. And yeah. as a kid growing up, I just I, I guess I preferred the sweeter style ketchup based barbecue sauce. Right. And and then in my uh, earlier days as a chef, I kind of pulled. I was going through her recipes and I found it, and I put it on a flatbread years and years ago. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a mayonnaise base with horseradish and Worcestershire and a bunch of other stuff. I can't say. <laughs> Secret recipe. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so let's talk about Nash's hot chicken. We are so happy you opened that because I'll go. You know, we we're St. Pete foodies, so we hang in St. Pete. And I don't know, there might be some Nashville hot chicken somewhere in St. Pete that I don't know about, but there's definitely not in downtown. And I see. Tampa places all the time posting online. I'm like, oh man, that looks so good. I want to have that. But yeah, it's kind of hard to get me on the other side of the bridge. So <laughs> glad you guys opened Nash's. So, so Nash's hot chicken is it's in a stationary food truck alongside the independent on Central Ave. So that's near the roundabout there, you know, by Central Ave and 11th Street North. Currently, but you're planning a move, right? Yeah, we're, we're moving not too far down the block into a brick and mortar. Uh, you know, we, we've been blessed that uh, it's been so busy. Uh, it's hard keeping up with, with our revenues in that trailer, right? So we that's need awesome. a little bit bigger space. And, uh, you know, we, we found something that's still right in that vicinity. So we should have that open in the next few months. Awesome. Cool. But in the meantime, you still are open with the stationary food truck, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So, and you guys, it's pretty cool. You guys did something unique because normally Nashville hot chicken is served either open-faced on like white bread, actually looks like Wonder Bread, uh, <laughs> or in a hamburger bun. But you, I'll let you tell how you got to where you are with the bread on that one. Well, I can't take credit for that one. That one's Jason. Um, it was his idea to go with the hot dog buns. And I, uh, as soon as he said it, I was like, Damn, you're a genius. Um, <laughs> and that's just but, because I'm a sloppy eater. You know, but, but I, you know, right away I knew exactly what he meant because we, you know, he and I had been looking at this concept for a while and we've eaten, you know, pretty much every hot chicken sandwich you can get your hands on. And they're all delicious, but they're all very messy. Right. And they don't showcase the beautiful ingredients that are on them very well. Right. So as soon as he said that, I was like, you are a genius. And Right away, I went out to source. If we're going to do a hot dog bun or a potato roll, we got to get the best. You got to get Martins. So I sourced the Martins direct from them. 
Um, and then we get two per order and we build the sandwiches up that way. So they're one, easier to eat, they're hand edible for people on the go. And two, you can actually see the beautiful ingredients, those beautiful pickles that we make in house, that coleslaw, all of that good stuff on there. You guys make everything in house too, even the uh, the ranch dressing, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, it's sir. delicious. And people the, love that ranch. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's so good. And yeah, maybe you should just sell sell that too separately. And <laughs> one day. <laughs> we we also love uh, the the sides. The bacon braised collard greens are awesome. And Lori is a collard green oh aficionado. My God. I love collard greens. They are these are fantastic collard greens. Man. And the mac and cheese too. Yes. We still haven't tried the fries. We got to get back for the fries. Oh, right. Because the fries, fries, the fries. I know you said that. I've ever eaten in my life. Yeah. We, we right. found that at, a, at another restaurant. Um, and we they weren't seasoned the way that, that Chef Ted seasons his. But we love the look of them. And, and we love the feel and we love the texture. So he went on the hunt. And it took you, what, t- two months? Yeah. Two months to find this French fry. But we were not going to open up until we sourced this exact French fry. And that's uh, cool. we got it. He added his his genius to that. And, um, you know, they're they're delicious. The, the mac and cheese, I, you know, I've grown up on mac and cheese. I, I grew up uh, pretty poor. So it was a staple of, of our family. And uh, we dialed so much into that mac and cheese <laughs> from the size of the elbows, ridges or no ridges, uh, the, the shape, the texture, like, we spent probably a good even two months on that, getting the right elbow macaroni for his mac and cheese sauce. The That's right very cool. the right ratio. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I mean, on, on, on the one hand, it's kind of, it's work. But on the other hand, it sounds like fun, too. It is. Yeah. That's partly why we can't lose weight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have that problem. We have that problem, too. <laughs> you know, us speaking right here, you think it, it's a macaroni and cheese elbow. How difficult is it to source the right one. And let me just tell you, it's very difficult. We went through probably 30 or 40 different types, shapes, sizes before we found the perfect one. And now we order so much of it, our vendor can't keep it in stock. So Uh, now now figuring out ways uh, of how to keep that, that same elbow mac and cheese, those same ingredients on hand at all times. Uh, And now that's the next challenge with that macaroni and cheese, if you can believe it. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. And there, you guys have five different sandwiches plus a, a two tender and a three tender basket. So you have the standard stuff and then some very creative creations. Yes. Correct. Um, and I'll tell you, my, my personal favorite, I think it's Jason's as well, is the early bird. Yeah. I, I like the contrast of the sweet, the spicy, and the savory. So that one is uh, whipped cream cheese, strawberry jam. Uh, bacon and the spiced chicken tender, and that's my personal favorite. Um, Absolutely, but I think uh, uh, some of the other favorites are definitely the Southern Bird. Cluck Norris um, is a very popular sandwich. It's it's um, it's got uh, the spiced chicken, it's got the pickles, it's got the baked beans and the mac and cheese all on the sandwich. So people really dig that one as well. That sounds very messy, <laughs> but, but delicious. <laughs> traditional one we got those hot dog buns so right, <laughs> right right and nash's is open is are you guys open seven days or certain days Seven days a week uh currently monday through thursday 11 a.m to 11 p.m friday and saturday 11 a.m to 1 a.m and sunday 11 a.m to 11 p.m that's awesome for late night munchies too and yes. delivery through uber eats and bite squad yes correct right. the websites are the mill restaurants.com 
and Nash'sChicken.com, N-A-S-H-S, Chicken.com. Ted Dorsey and Jason Griffin, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank Thank you. you. Good speaking with you. We'll see you soon. Yes. We'll be right back. This is Chris Walker, and you're listening to St. Foodies Podcast. Can you believe it's the end of July already? This is the weirdest year ever, and it seems like everything in the entire world has become politicized, but we decidedly do not have a political show or any negativity as part of the St. Pete Foodies brand. That said, we are taking COVID seriously while trying to still support restaurants. We're trying to be as careful as possible. And at the same time, Lori, Haley, and I are still going out to bring you new restaurant reviews and top 10 lists, and Abby's hanging in there with the monthly recipe. So even with the really bothersome pandemic, in July, St. Pete Foodies brought you, in addition to this podcast, six restaurant reviews, and one recipe. So if you missed any of that, check it out on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Next week on the podcast, we have the City of St. Petersburg's Deputy Mayor, Dr. Kanika Tomalin. And if you'd like to send us fan mail or hate mail, or if you have any requests for interviews or restaurant reviews, just send an email to info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guests, Ted Dorsey. And Jason Griffin. And thanks to our sponsors. The Zest Podcast. Noble Crust. Booyah Ramen. And and Engine Engine Number number 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. Great biscuits, great corn, great potatoes. You want some more salad, Bob? Yeah, I think I do. Pile it high and deep, will you please?